For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright, and so on. It's a rigorous training dished on who know all there is to know about horses, and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back, guys. Welcome to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. This week's episode, we get into evaluating your horse, what can the mane tell you, and stabilization and reconstruction of hoof cracks. We're going to follow up on some of that as well. And continuing education, the International Hoof Care Summit just happened this past weekend. And over to my far right-hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? Hello, Travis. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You look good over there. Well, thank you. You, you, look, got, you look pretty yourself. <laughs> you got some new headphones on. You got a new microphone over there. You sound good. You look good. You can take okay. a compliment. You can take okay. a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to take that coming from you. All right. Well, I have a question for you to start the show off. I have a question for you. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, my wife and I, we have horses here on the property. Mike is my, my farrier. Uh, we got together to create this podcast because he's got so much knowledge as far as uh, creating sounder horses. We have an arena here. It's what they call a mini arena. I think it's 132 meters by 82 meters. She, this time of year, we get a lot of snow here in the Carolinas, and we also get rain, and sometimes the arena gets kind of soppy. So she's taken her horse for the next three months to what I call horse daycare. Uh, she's taken it, boarding it, the horse at another location that's got a covered arena, full-size arena. I don't know what, I think it's 210 by 135. I don't know why I know these numbers. I might be wrong. I could be wrong. So my question is, Mike, you've been shoeing the horse, you've been doing the fixtures and adjustments based on this arena here that we have on our property. Now she's going off to this other property. I don't know what the dirt filling or whatever the crush run or whatever kind of minerals or not minerals, but whatever the material is that they have in that arena. Does that affect the way you shoe a horse when when people start moving the horse from location to location or from arena to arena or basically what they're running on? You know, that's one of those things that has been looked at a lot heavier the last few years with the changing of some of the synthetic surfaces because, okay, you got crushed sand, which for a farrier, we like crushed sand. But then you got GGT, GGT, you got rubber fillers, you've got different types of materials they're using now. And what will glide on sand is different from what will come in and glide on the ground on the GGT. And also, how much does the foot purge into the ground as it breaks over? So that changes how you have to look at breakover. It has difference in how you look at traction or, or not traction. Do you want the shoe to grab? Do you want the shoe not to grab? Do you need it to slide as he comes in? And so, yes, we have to start thinking a little different with different ground surfaces. So I don't know when her next scheduled meeting, her maintenance thing is. So are you going to have to totally fix everything or readjust everything that you've done on her horse here as to over there now? It would be minor. 
But nothing, not, but not like we putting might on. Take a look at the arena and see what kind of surface it is. And even with uh, synthetics, there are different ratings on the synthetic surfaces. Now, it, when I mean, when you when you do the horse and and you're training and stuff, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst material to go from transition from? Because we have what they call what I guess crush run. Is it from crush run to clay, or is it crush run to like a synthetic? What's the worst case scenario from going to from one aspect to a arena to another aspect of an arena. Okay, yours is probably like crushed sand. We have to learn to deal with clay. We have to learn to, especially with the event horses, mm-hmm. you are all from the prepared arena to cross country. There are arenas where you may do dressage on a little bit different footing from where you would jump. And you have to, dealing with the event horses, is you have to deal with all the surfaces no matter what. So there's no worst case scenario. You just have to come across it. Figure it out. Like I, going. I know some track stars, in my high school, we had a concrete track for everyone to, to run the, the track meets on. But then we go to the fancy schools, and they actually had the hard rubber track instead of the concrete track. And then I guess you wear different shoes for those as well. Right. And there there are cases where we change totally for a different type of event. And some of it's event-driven. So it's it's going to it's going to vary, and there are things you need to think about with what's going on with your arena surface. It's going to affect breakover. It's going to sl- affect how the horse glides when it comes into the ground. The synthetics, they, they are spongy up and down, but as far as some of the forward momentum when the foot hits the ground, it creates an impact against tennis ligaments because it just shuts the foot down too quick. All right, guys, if you have any questions for Mike Stein, feel free to go over to his Facebook page. we got some questions from the Facebook feed, so we'll answer those on this week's podcast. And if you want to email him, go over to equinedynamics.com. At the very bottom of the page, it says contact us. Uh, make sure you put podcast in the subject line so he can decipher uh, your email from all the other emails he gets throughout the day. And don't forget, for podcast we do we have a matching video as well and you can find him on equine dynamics on youtube equine dynamics on youtube as well and you can see mike's got a whole desk full of stuff over there we'll get into right after the break stick around you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein we'll be right back Dynamics with Mike Stein. Make sure you follow us on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search Equine Dynamics. And if you have any questions for Mike Stein, uh, you can email him as well. Go to equinedynamics.com at the very bottom of the page. Contact and make sure you put podcasts in the subject line. Now, I just said that my wife took her horse over to another barn that's got a huge cover arena. Big, huge facility. I think they have like 24 stalls. I don't want to know how much that costs per month or whatever they charge to board that horse over there. But my wife goes over there every morning. She leaves the house about 6.30. She goes over there. She rides for about an hour. It's an hour drive. Rides for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever the lesson is. I think it's an hour, maybe. And then comes home. How's your ride? She did beautiful. She did awesome. So this past Sunday, she took a day to herself and just a horse. I'm going to give my horse a spa day. All right, well, see you in four hours, I guess. So she went over there, washed the tail, cut the tail, cut the mane, did a little brushing of the horse, you know, brushed its teeth. I don't know what they do on a spa day. But one of the things that, that you were talking about is when you're evaluating a horse, 
what does the mane tell you? Now, is it wrong for her to, to cut or trim the mane, or what should she be looking for as she's cutting or trimming the mane? Well, as far as the mane itself, if she needs to groom her horse, she needs to groom her horse. That's not, not what we're talking about here. When you get used to looking at a few keys that will trigger you to something odd is going on. This is an old horseman still. If you've got a horse standing across the field, most of the time I can tell you if you got a drop shoulder on that horse because of what the mane does, that last little bit of the mane, if you can't keep it where it's supposed to go, if you got a weak shoulder drop shoulder, typically it will fall in the hole. Now, I've seen horses where that last split went on the high side, which would be rare. The other thing is, okay, you look at the horse across the field and that you got a narrow gap or wide gap where that mane splits. Shoulder could be offset. It gives you somewhere to start looking before you walk up to the horse. And there again, the mane up behind the head. If you got the mane wants to split up at the top of the neck, right around, right behind the head, just throw this scenario at you. I've got a horse who drops a hip, okay? If he drops the hip, he loses the shoulder, diagonal shoulder most of the time. If he's constantly doing that, he pulls that shoulder back to hold himself up, brace himself, and you'll see tension in those muscles from that positioning. Well, the, the muscle that ties into the back of the skull comes down below the below your shoulder joint and ties in brachiocephalicus. If I tighten up that muscle on that one side, I just cock the head a little bit. Okay, <laughs> I, I've got this last little bit of mane that always falls here, even though I want it all on this side. Okay, follow that scenario. So one of the old wise tales is as is, is wise as you want it to. If you take a string and you put it at the base of the mane, go up to your split and flip it backwards, and that'll show you where the problem is. Now, it gives you somewhere to start. So watching horses, the better and more even the mane wants to lay. You watch their work program. You see the, the mane evening out or the mane not wanting to. Now, traditionally, does the mane lay on one side of the horse or the other side, or is it just like a, it lays as the horse grows? It doesn't matter. Like you want the mane to lay on the left side or the driver's side of the of the horse, or does is it supposed to lay on the passenger side or flipped over to the right-hand side of the horse? Is there like all horses? Because I've never noticed this. This is new to me. Like I said, I'm the, the radio guy. I'm not the horse guy. My wife's the, the horse person. Does traditionally the horse mane lay on one side throughout all horses, or does it vary? Well, it, it will vary some. Now, when a horse is born, their curve in the womb mm-hmm. and they have to straighten up and that makes some difference on where the mane lays okay and most horses from end to end are not dead straight it looks they're not born that way the quicker the, you know the quicker they get out and get up and move and run and act silly they have a chance to straighten their body out there has actually been some research on that at, at a point but you know giving them a chance to get things moving get things aligned and also with horses as, as they have injuries and they start atrophying somewhere, all of a sudden the mane will start doing odd things because I've done something, I've injured a shoulder, I'm getting shorter strided on the one side, I use it less, and not only is it just the shoulder, the whole tracking of the body changes. It's like if you shot a bow and arrow, and I used to a little bit, but if you got a bow and arrow, there's no telling where it's going to go, right? Right. <laughs> you would, the ideal to get a horse to perform is get that, get that arrow tracking straight. The more bent the arrow is, the crazier it goes. Well, same thing, if the more bent your horse is, the crazier the mane will look. And uh, I've seen, you know, watched riders and change riders and seen a horse, horses that had a main, may have split in the middle. You, you got it going and it quit being split in the middle. You changed riders, ended up being split in the middle again. Now, what about all those riders? I don't know if this is for foo-foo-ness or whatever, that they braid the mane. Is that help or, I mean, other than looks, 
Well, I mean, they braid the mane. You know, you've seen them on, on like shows or, right. or events and stuff. They braid the mane to make the horse. Does it help the horse? Why do they braid the mane other than? Well, a lot of that is for, for appearance. You want to put forth the best picture you can when you're in the arena. And there is a lot done for appearance. But I would think that braiding the mane is kind of like when you do your hair up, you know, when the girls do gymnastics and you just can't move your head just right because all your hair is pulled tight on one side. I would think that would affect the horse as well as far as your shoulder movement and everything. You know, when you got all that hair pulled tight up on top, I would think you would want it to flow freely. Well, that's another study they could have. <laughs> I'm not too sure what to tell you on that one. But uh, they yeah, they do definitely groom manes. They groom tails. You know, you want to check for any kind of fungus that might be under there and just maintain maintenance of your horse. But, you know, if you're always chasing something, it's some, like to say, not to say that anything's necessarily majorly going on, mm-hmm. there might be. Because you it gives you a place to start looking before the horse ever comes near you and start thinking. You know, they're bringing that horse in. How does he move? Oh, he's moved so straight. And you look at the mane, it's like, mm, no, he doesn't. That goes into the muscling of the body and, and the whole bit. But it's a quick thing that you can pick up on, on from a long way off, at least start thinking. Because I have some riders, if they tell me what the horse is doing, are extremely good. Most I hate to say, when they tell me, how is your horse using his back end? Oh, it's so wonderful. It's like, really? That's not what your horse is saying. And I've got to make adjustments to help get the horse in a better place as far as the mechanics and how it's working. All right, guys, we'll stick around. We'll get into a email or a, a Facebook question about hoof cracks. We're going to follow up and continue our topic on that. Someone wanted to hear a little bit more as far as hoof cracks and stuff. And Mike's got a, a whole bunch of, looks like, uh, what do you got over there? A whole bunch of strapping. Stuff. Yeah, a whole bunch of strapping and everything. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video. You can see everything that goes on here in the studio. You can see me waving to Mike and Mike waving to me and all the stuff that's here on the table. Mike's going to go over that as well. Stick around. You're listening to Equal. Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Down on Main Street. Down on Main Street. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the official farrier of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. Over to my far right hand side is Mike Stein. Hello, Travis. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. Make sure you uh, email Mike with any questions you may have. Go over to equinedynamics.com. Make sure you put podcasts in the subject line so he can decipher all the emails from your email. And we had a question on Facebook. What was the question that they had on Facebook? Well, it was kind of a continuation okay. of our discussion about toe cracks the oh, other week. All right. And, and we're going to get into talking a little bit more about stabilizing and reconstruction of toe cracks. So where do we start? Well, you know, most toe cracks... You can manage early on without much trouble. If they become a problem, you've got something that cracks all the way through, goes into the coronary band, it needs to be cleaned up. And when you clean them out, you know, you need to clean all the way to the base of the crack. When you're rebuilding them, for starters, you need to dry them out. And like I use a moisture meter when I'm doing re- any reconstruction to build stuff like that because you want to get the hoof down to about 10% moisture before you stick or 10% or below to so your adhesive will stay. The other thing is, at the base of the crack, you may need to medicate it. Some of them you need to put drains in. On some of the real, real big ugly ones, you may need to put make a bar to go across it, and sometimes making taking a little rod and arching it up across the crack. If you got to put galls and stuff like that to medicate the area, is that the plating we were talking about last week, or is that something different? That's a little different. Okay, uh, it's if you have to medicate it, it's a lot easier to get galls in and out than it would be with a plate. And I don't really use plates for something just to stabilize. 
unless I got a horse that won't stand still. Okay. Because you got to get it on quick sometimes. And with plating, I can go get it up there, zip, zip, zip with some screws and stabilize the foot. Ideally, in that situation, if we're working with the vets, they can sedate the horse. When you do plate them, you need the foot, you know, like up on your hoof stand or something. You don't want the wall on the ground because if the crack's that big, when they load the crack, if you do it with on the ground, it pinches in at the coronary band. And you don't want to pinch the top of the crack shut. You want to hold it open. Let it, be, you, let it be natural. Let it be natural. You want it on an unloaded foot. Uh, most of the time, I will use fabrics. And you've got a whole bunch of fabrics. It looks like fiberglass repair kit is what you got, that mesh stuff that I, I repair my boat with, you know, when I got a leak right. <laughs> in the middle of the of the lake. Right. We use a little different bonding material. This is fiberglass. And you can see this by going over to YouTube and search for Equine Dynamics. While you're there, make sure you subscribe mm-hmm. and like and do all that stuff. You can see this. Uh, we do a weekly podcast every Monday, and you can see these videos, and you'll get a little ding. And I don't know what they say, smash the like button and smash the ding button so you can see all this. So you've got a white roll. Now, I see a white roll. and White like rolls, a- fiberglass. Okay. And I, I use that because with your acrylics, the fiberglass is rigid and it's strong. And, uh, you know, if I've got to stabilize a crack, I've run some medicated wax down, down the base of it. You don't want any infection started in there. You want to protect that. Don't want to make a place for fungus. You've cleaned everything out, gotten all your tracks clean, run your medication. If you've got something that's down to sensitive tissue, you may have to run something through there so you can pull it and have actually have a clean track so it can be flushed with iodine or whatever. And those are those are things we'd be doing in the vet clinic. Normally, I don't have to do a lot because on my horses, and I'm, I'm adopting them if they come from somewhere else. The vet's called me on it. So this um, is not this is something that's long-term neglect or, or low maintenance or lack of maintenance, and then you come in and you're fixing it. But n- your normal horses that you do on a regular basis tend to not have this problem. Tend to not have that problem. And if you see anything show up, you just take care of it early on and keep cruising. You can stabilize it with a shoe pulling clips. And sometimes I've had horses with, you know, I had hit one here recently that we had a big opening up the front of the foot. I had ended up with four clips on the shoe to stabilize the foot with clips. And we opted to go that way because this thing needed to be treated constantly. And it wasn't into the coronary band, so we didn't have to stabilize the top of it. That's where we would have used that bar across so it wouldn't pinch into the coronary bands. But that wasn't the problem. You know, I've got a, a fabric here that's the, this black and yellow. That's that's Kevlar with uh, some carbon fiber in there. Let me see that. Yes, sir. And also, I don't have any of the, the straight Kevlar with me, but all of these fabrics react a little different. Now, this looks like the strap of my backpack. Yeah. <laughs> it would make it good when it's plenty strong. Yeah. Oh, it feel. I mean, yeah, I can feel it. It's got a little pull to it. Now, once you put the, the strapping on, you glue it on, you put the adhesive or, or the, the, the stuff on it, is it... Like your fingernails, as your fingernails grow, this will eventually come off? That will eventually come off. Okay. And, you know, some, like, with uh, with the fiberglass, I can clean it down with the rasp. Now, this material, this is what they use on the sound horse shoes as far as what they attach. And I can take that material and take any aluminum shoe, glue it to the shoe, and make a make a cuffed shoe out of any, any shoe that I've got. But... That is really ragged with the rasp. I have put that on the outer wall because I need to cover big areas. Now, what is this made out of? I am not sure of the exact material, but it's there again. It is pretty tough stuff. Yeah, again, it, it will uh, it will hold a shoe to a foot with it glued on the outer again. Outer wall. It, again, it looks like the the strapping on my backpack, or actually, this looks more like the webbing of my uh, swing out there. Right. There are a number of different materials, and then there's the that looks like I put behind my truck and I pulled the, the truck out of the mud. Well, that is exactly <laughs> what that is. It's a big yellow and, strap, and that is something that I've attached like 
anchored it into the bottom of a shoe and pulled it up on the foot. This looks like a pull strap. That's it, all it looks like. It is a pull strap. It is a pull strap. Oh, okay. But <laughs> we won't, know, we won't tell anyone there, that. There are a lot of different materials and there have been some tests done on what is more rigid and what is not. And sometimes we're stable and it lies in a crack or building something. Sometimes you may want some flex in it. There's other times you may want it to be very rigid. And this works very well on horses as well. That, this material. That has been used in certain situations. That is used more in case of like attaching a rail shoe where you've got an impression and you want to glue the rail shoe to the foot, bring it up the side of the foot and, and using your adhesive with this to the foot. And uh, and also this material mm-hmm. normally is used for that kind of thing. The, the sound horse people Put in front have, of the that, camera there. have that glued there you go. to their shoe. And like I said, I can glue this to any aluminum shoe. This I would attach to the shoe in a, in a different manner. The pull strap looking the pull one. strap. But, you know, any of these cracks, clean out all your tracks, get all the way to the bottom, medicate what needs to be medicated, put a fungicide in it, whatever need be. Before you build it, dry the foot. I've got a little micro torch that I use on a reg- regular basis just to get the moisture level down low enough because if you glue to a foot that's too wet, it's not going to work. Do you have a hair dryer or anything that you might use as well or no? I do have a, I've got a few different things. <laughs> uh, a couple tricks. Yeah, sure. I've got a heat gun in the truck that I use sometimes. Okay, yeah. The problem with that is noise. Oh, yeah, well, yeah I could see that. do not love it. And you've got a drop cord. That is where I've kind of gone to this little little tiny butane torch because I can just aim it and just flash dry the foot, mm-hmm. and I, it's quiet. You know where the other ones other ones make noise, and the horses respond to that and dry out what's in the crack. You take your moisture meter and check it to see what your moisture level is. You, that's if you're stabilizing with your fabrics and adhesives. Typically, these are going to be on a shod foot, and you know if you're working in the forge, you can do a lot with the shoe itself to stabilize the crack. You know, if you if you can't place clips in the correct place, you may need to go to other things. And that's part of why I normally do not do a lot of builds on cracks. Another thing is, in this part of the country, we have so much white line, fungus, wall fungus. Mm-hmm. You can also medicate your acrylics. You can use, I use some copper sulfate powder mixed in my acrylics to help ward off any little critters that want to grow in the foot. You kind of need to do that. Now, if you live up north or out in the Midwest where you don't have as much, it's not as critical. But in an area where you've got a lot of fungus, it is is definitely more critical to use something in your acrylics. That helps preserve the wall from damage from the from the adhesives itself. Well, Mike's got a whole bunch more on his desk over there. He's going to he's gonna demonstrate here. And don't forget, you can actually email Mike Sign at any time at equinedynamics.com. Go down the very bottom, says contact us, or like him on his Facebook page like this one person did, and we'll answer it on the air. And the way you find him is Mike Stein, Equine Dynamics on Facebook as well. Stick around. we got a couple more things to talk about. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. We'll be right back. Dynamics with Mike Stein, the 2017 American Eventing Championship Farrier. And over to my far right hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? Hello, Travis. 
How are you? I'm doing okay. You got a bunch of goodies over there. We were talking about toe cracks and a follow-up question from a person that emailed Mike. Actually, uh, hit him up on the Facebook page, and the way you do that is to search for Mike Stein with Equine Dynamics on Facebook, or you can email him directly. Go to equinedynamics.com, and in the subject line, just put podcast so he can get your question here on the air. Now, Mike, what else you have over there? It looks like you got like a roll of electrical tape over there. Oh, what? this is this is actually weather stripping. Okay, with a sticky on the back. Uh huh. And when you're building one, and if you got something up close to your coordinator band, you take a piece of this and stick it on. Because it works as a dam to control your build because you don't want to put adhesives on the up to the coronary band. You want to keep keep all that area clear. And also, you know, if I'm in a barn that clean is a problem when I'm gluing shoes or whatever, you clean the foot because you need clean to stick to. These are Was that a helmet? <laughs> you can wear it as a helmet. <laughs> it looks like a helmet. But these are nice these are these are my clean boots. This is a Oh, okay. Boot that you you know, it's not a it's not a riding boot. It's not it's got a little little flat pad in the bottom. It's like if I sprain my my ankle or something like that, that you would put that on my leg, but it, it encompasses the whole foot, so it stays clean. This is just like I say, get the foot in there and get it down. When you pick it up, you pop it off to work on it, and you stick it back in to get it down because you're in the vet clinic. Sometimes you got great working conditions, and sometimes we don't. And I would I would I could see this. With a barn that's got like a dirt floor or something like that, you, when you put your adhesives and stuff on it, you don't want the dirt and everything getting in it, rather a, a concrete right. floor. Yeah, that's more in between you know, getting the foot prep before you go with adhesives on. Is that the front there that I'm looking that's at? That's the front. Okay. There are times that I will leave the adhesives open to dry, and there are times because of barn conditions, I may use some stretch wrap on the foot to cover everything up and then... We'll let it set. Now, how long would the horse only while you're working on, or how long? Only while I'm working. Okay, that's just literally just to keep the foot clean, you know, because we we need a clean, dry environment to stick stick the adhesives to. How long does the adhesives and everything usually take to dry or cure? Uh, It's enough to where you can remove that or let the horse go back into its its stall or continue out in the pasture. Well, the weather makes a big difference. The humidity level, the the air temperature. Also, sometimes you need to, you know, if, I, if I'm putting putting something medicated in there, I need to cool my acrylics off. Some Sometimes in certain situations, depending on what material I'm using, I may actually want to warm the material up. The horse I'm doing this afternoon, I'm using urethane, and because of the outside air temperature gets set time, I need to get within a certain time window, I'm going to, I will warm my material up before i use it on the horse so this is not something where you put it on now and you come back six weeks later and and you take the shoe off so the shoes just when you're using it on the horse at that time oh no 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 that's just 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 for keeping the foot clean but you know your weather and your weather outside air temperature and humidity have an effect on the adhesives most of the most of the acrylics i can figure only being pretty well set in about 15 minutes if you like say in, in the hot temperature it goes quicker cold temperature is slower all right, so I have a question for you. Did you go to the International Hoof Care Summit, and where was it at if you went? <laughs> the International Hoof Care Summit is in Cincinnati. Oh, so you didn't go. I did not go this year. and Last year it was virtual. The year before that I was a speaker. Oh, were you really? Okay. Yeah. What is involved with the International Hoof Care Summit? I, I think uh, George Carlin says uh, anything that's involved with a group of four more people, they've got a magazine about it. They have a magazine. <laughs> they do have a magazine. They have the American Ferris Journal puts this on. They have speakers from around the world you know there's there's a huge amount of information to be shared you have farriers vets from around the world people are there from all my certification classifications i need so many hours a year of further ed i usually more than double what is required but that is available 
for any ferry that would like to go. Is it open to the public as well? You could go if you wanted to. Or if you, you were interested in going. Sure. If you were interested in going, you could go. Uh, you could contact next year. They will have it. My plan is to be there next year. I had a few things go on. Go on so, the, you know, the last week or so before it happened, I ended up not going. And, uh, you know, we have some of the top people from around the world. You have access to them. You can learn from them. And this is research-based material. And there are other venues for ferries to go educate themselves. And if your farrier is not educating themselves on a regular basis, things are always, ideas are always changing. There is so much that you can come across in your career as a farrier. You'll never see it all. That's impossible. Well, it's just like being a doctor. You know, doctors have those big, fancy, expensive events where they learn, you know, they get together and they talk about their journals and, and what they've learned and what they've come across and they compare notes and everything. I assume that the farrier would be no different than that. Oh, yes, exactly. And you develop a network of people talking about the adhesives. I know people that use adhesives a lot more than I do. If I'm having a problem, I've got somebody I can call. And See, I was just... Person. I was just going to say, I could see a lot of people reaching out to you, like inexperienced or, or freshly new farriers reaching out to you and saying, hey, look, I've got this going on. How should I approach this type deal? Do you have that kind of network with young, younger farriers? Right. Uh, I, I assume that. That's, that's Yes, you, yes, you do. And, you know, it's like... You're a good support base. There's a good support base out there. And... IEPF has a great support base worldwide. You can call, you can ask. I have in the last year or two, I've spoke to other farriers, some because I was being asked a question, others because there was something I was not familiar with that I know that this person is really at the top of the game on. Now, when you were a speaker out there, what year was that, 2019? I was a, I was a speaker out there in 2000, and they reran the programs I was involved in on the virtual in 2001 and also in the American Ferries Journal that got turned into articles. And what was your what was your main topic, or was it just broad the, uh, knowledge? I was on a panel that had to do with rehab of the thoroughbred horse's foot. The thing you brought in last week. Right, and also my main topic was evaluating the horse's body, picking up on information. And in that topic, I never really, I didn't have any feet on there. I had horses' bodies and a lot of odd, odd cases. I've always worked on, on some odd movement patterns, had some of those deals in there. You know, spent as much time with Tony Gonzalez, and that was one of his big things is movement, you know, the movement patterns in relation to the body of the horse. And then a lot of Ray Morris was brought into it because the massage background and everything else. And so part of the movement of the horse is, is what you were talking about in the beginning of the, uh, the podcast uh, about the mane and everything and how it splits and leans to one side right, or another. Right. You talk about the mane, what the neck is telling you, what the shoulders are telling you, what the rotation of the barrel is telling you, you know, cause the, the horse's body rotates as they walk and how many different ways you can obtain information as quickly as possible. Because a lot of times I've only got a, a few seconds to take a look at a horse, and I need to know quickly what he's doing. And some of that is the story is told before they even move. And the going and looking at the horse should confirm some of what you're seeing when the horse stands there. Sit around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Don't forget, if you have any questions at all, 
You can email Mike Stein, or and you can also send him pictures of the well of your horse's feet, or if you just want to show showcase your pony or whatever that you have, you can go to equinedynamics.com at the very bottom of the page is contact. Make sure you put podcasts in there. And make sure you like him on Facebook as well. That's Mike Stein at Equine Dynamics. And also search for him on YouTube. We'll have this video up here shortly, right after the broadcast, and you can see the actual stuff that Mike has here. His toe strap, his Kevlar, his fiberglass, and his clean foot thing that he's got over there. All right, what did we learn today? Evaluating your horse. What can you tell in a mane? There's a lot of information thrown at you from a horse's mane, and you can watch that as your work program progresses as far as how the mane wants to lay. During your grooming times, there's areas that you cannot get to behave the way you want them to, and there's a reason why. And the big thing with looking at the horse is, okay, I've got a problem in the mane. Why? What caused that? Where does it come from? And it sends you in a direction to look. Stabilization and reconstruction of hoof cracks. And this was a follow-up question that we had on Facebook. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can be done. The best thing to do with hoof cracks when they start is take care of it before it's a problem. And if you do have a problem, when you build stuff, make sure it's clean. If you've got something that's very deep, very big, got a lame horse, we need to get our vets involved, and maybe it needs to go to the vet clinic. See, being an owner, if you don't have a regular ferry out there, my big concern is identifying what the difference between a, a, a toe crack and just a chip on the on the end of the hoof. I mean, how do you physically, like me being a, a non-horse person, how do I identify that is a toe crack? I need to take care of that now. You know, on barefoot horses, the bottom of the hoof chips away, and that's part of life. If I've got a, a crack that is running up the hoof wall, you know, it splits and it's going on up. You know, stuff around the bottom, you may have quarter, three-eighths of an inch, some of them even a little more that are not more than a little chunk knocked out. But you get that line that's going up and following the horn tubules to the coronary band, and when you look at those, you need to go back up under them and see if anything's undermined or you've got any fungus in there because they fungus gets in those and it makes a mess out of the foot. In this part of the country, all the time, hunt for fungus. And the International Hoof Care Summit just passed this weekend. Uh, Mike didn't, was not part of it this time, but he has been part of it several times in the past. And uh, I assume it's once a year that they have this. It is once a year. There are a number of other furthering ed venues once a year. Hopefully this year Simon Curtis will be able to get over here because I was going to do a, do a weekend with Simon Curtis. If anybody knows him, from, he's an English vet farrier that does a lot of club-footed horses. They were going to do a clinic with him down just north of Southern Pines. But last couple of years with this creeping crud that's going around, it's gotten canceled. <laughs> All right, Mike, anything else you'd like to add? That would pretty well cover it. You got it for this week's episode. All right, guys, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to us, downloading us, sharing us, and make sure you email Mike at any time at equinedynamics.com. Search for him on YouTube and Facebook as well. My name is Travis Holmes. Over to my far right-hand side is Mike Stein. Thank you. Goodbye, whichever <laughs> time of day it is. <laughs> Until next week, guys. Thanks. Take care. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream, little pal. Dream of someone. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.